shaken and disturbed, everybody. I am Darren Karp here with John Thrasher. John, how are you doing? You're that you're wearing the shirt that basically has our podcast like logo on the. It do- oh my god, I never thought of that. Yes, I have a black T-shirt with a pocket design. Like, look that's- at it and compare it to our shaken and disturbed poster right here. Oh my god, I never know. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah, there's like I think a so. It's a graphic print of like palm trees with a sunset behind it, but like, yeah, it's definitely. But it actually doesn't look like that on camera. Like, I see what yeah, you're saying about yeah. palm trees, but I wouldn't have guessed it. It, wouldn't, it just kind yeah. of looks like. You know, blood splotches and stuff. It's like a, that. Yeah, yeah, Looks exactly. Like dried blood. Dried right. blood, which is, of course, why I got the shirt 100%. And by the way, if you're on Patreon and you're a sussy radish, you can jump on Patreon and watch the video version and know exactly what I'm talking about. That's right, John. We have. Do I look muscular, really- be honest. John, this week's episode, we have so much to really discuss. Um, just moving right wow. along here. Yeah, moving right along. But I would oh. be remiss if I didn't mention oh, if I didn't mention the fact that our NMR this week, we do finally kind lengthy. of rehash, it's lengthy. We rehash a lot of our life. I rehash pink. I talk a little bit about Israel. Uh, but mostly we're talking about the Murdoch doc on Netflix, the second part, which really covers Alec Murdoch's trial, kind of how he came to be convicted. There's still some open air questions that we have. Um, and so it's really good discussion. The case is super morbid. I think it's just, it's eerie, I think, because of the familial, not that so much that he murdered, but just that there's a lot. It kind of reminds me of the Kennedys. There's just like murder and just darkness mm. in that family, just morbidity kind of abound. And so yeah. did you at least enjoy, just real quick up at top, if you didn't sure. listen around, Mar, did you enjoy the second part? Were you happy that I recommended it to you? Yes. And I should mention, yes, Darren was like very adamant. Darren's really good, by the way, you guys, at watching stuff and recommending, you know, all of our true crime stuff where she's like, no, we must do it. This is why I have a Today Show segment. Um, exactly. Poppin'? Exactly. Right. What's popping? Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely captivating. I think our conversation that's on NMR that you guys can go listen to on the public feed right now was really interesting as well. It kind of had me thinking in certain ways that I hadn't thought about during the show or during the episodes. Um, but yeah, go watch the Netflix document. This isn't an ad, by the way. They are not sponsoring the show. We just genuinely wanted to watch it and recap it. So Go watch it. Listen to what we had to say. And by the way, you could also get some career advice because we talk a lot about going back to college and oh yeah, and, and what IMR you might this week we do. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so there's lots of good stuff over there. But no, the the Murdoch doc. It was well, Darren. It was morbid. If it was nothing else, you know that it was. Anyone who knows me knows that I love creepy stories and anything that makes my body go warm. Anytime I'm saying nope, 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 that's a great story. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. And if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal, or you love to hop in the Wayback Machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes, you should tune in to our podcast, Morbid. We provide all the fascinating and sometimes terrifying details you never knew you needed. We also throw in a dash of humor to keep our signature lighthearted nightmare vibe. We've covered infamous cases like H.H. Holmes, Jack the Ripper, and the Clutter family murders. And introduce you to cases you may not have heard about, like Tragedy Square and Japan's haunted Himeji Castle. But that's just the tip. We've been researching some of the creepiest hauntings and scariest paranormal and supernatural stories to get you ready for the most wonderful time of the year. Halloween. You can listen to Morbid wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music app. All right, let's get into this week's episode. This one's another another little creepy one. Megan is on her grind on Halloween October month. creepy. Yeah. It's creeptacular this one. <laughs> creeptacular, month. that's right. 
Well, in the year 1730, Darren, all right. I'm already creeped. I'm already I know creeped. it is already creepy right off the bat. And a new uh, people in New England began getting infected and dying from consumption. Consumption, you may ask, is now known as tuberculosis. Um, it had never really been seen in New England before this, but once cases started popping up, it was already impossible to stop the spread of the disease. Sound like something uh, familiar over the last couple years, everybody? Um, Definitely. Although in yeah. 1730, vaccines were about 200 yeah. years off the way. <laughs> right. so, so probably a little bit scarier here. I know. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. They didn't have hand sanitizer. No, they, they didn't. their hands in the same way. They didn't have what Darren was calling in 2020 welcoming squirts at that point. That's right. You know, right. if you remember Martini's murder. Get days. a little welcome squirt. That's right. A little throwback for you. But before we get into this story, here's some science for you guys, just so you understand the background. Um, and I think it's just important to know this as we talk about, you know, just diseases and things like that. So tuberculosis is a bacterial disease that spread through airborne contact. So when someone with TB is what it's affectionate or not affectionately called, effectively yeah. called, um, <clears throat> coughs or sneezes, they send tiny droplets into the air containing germs which can be inhaled by others around them, causing them to also become infected. Very right. similar to COVID when it, you know, although different variants from co of COVID um, are more or a infectious. Cough, just a common cough, you know. You yeah, the cold, the any air. virus, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so TB spreads very easily, especially in densely populated areas. And there are three stages of TB infection. And by the way, this is all relevant to what happens in the story. That's why we want to give you guys this information. Um, the first stage involves mild, mild symptoms like fatigue, coughing, a mild fever, and some people may not even have symptoms at all. Yep. Many people's immune systems completely destroy the virus after or, or during stage one and don't even get sick. So, you know, most people, that's probably how it goes. But it's when this beautiful, just side note, like yeah. I cut my foot the other day, I, I stepped on something sharp and I cut my foot. And it was like profusely bleeding because it hadn't like coagulated yet. You know, I put the bandaid on, I wrapped it or whatever. And like the next day, like not that it was completely healed because it was sensitive skin, but the skin heals over. And like, you know, you forget that your epidermis is like asexual. So it can like reproduce with itself. You know, it doesn't need to interact with anything else. Like that's neuroscience major here, everybody. It's just beautiful the way the body works and how our immunity can work and attack I feel you. these things, you know. And like I, I think you. a lot of people started learning that during COVID just because it was like this real life example of something. Well, that was right. We were to all us. face to face with but it. But like right? If you really think about how intricate not only the brain is, but just our bodies, it's like evolution is just beautiful. It's just so beautiful. It's like this like perfect masterpiece that we're all kind of walking with, even though we're not all perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just it it like makes it makes me so excited to know You're that very, like, your body can like heal itself through that. You know, Darren That's loves awesome. life, you guys. Darren loves life, you guys. Okay. No, I, I mean I think especially people our age and younger. I think sometimes we take our bodies and our health for granted because the, it won't be with us forever. Obviously, so yeah, I totally feel you on that. It's definitely relevant as well. But okay, so basically, when the immune system can completely destroy the virus, when this happens. The illness becomes latent and a person can stay healthy and free of symptoms for years. Now, right. however, and again, we're talking 1740, so be mindful of that. Some people progress from latent to active tuberculosis, sometimes right after infection and sometimes after years and years of being infected with the latent version of tuberculosis. So when the disease progresses to active, symptoms worsen tremendously and can include severe fever, coughing up blood, which is horrible. 
pain while breathing, fatigue, and you know, a loss of appetite. So tuberculosis can affect major organ functions, including those of your kidneys, liver, heart, bones, skin, spinal cord, and blood vessels. And while tuberculosis is both uh, curable and preventable with modern medicine um, available in first world countries, it is extremely deadly to this day, actually. In 2021, just a couple years ago, 1.6 million people died from tuberculosis worldwide, making it the second most deadly infectious disease after COVID-19 and even more deadly than HIV and AIDS, which I think a lot of us associate with enormous, you know, we think of the AIDS and the HIV uh, epidemic of the 90s, but in in reality, tuberculosis, yeah. yeah. Um, So this is an extremely deadly disease today, even though we know what it is and how it works and how to cure it. As we said, information, the New Englanders back in the 1700s couldn't really even possibly uh, have fathomed. And as Darren said, you know, we're still far away from, um, you know, uh, vaccines and modern medicine in general at this point. So when the 1730s rolled around and the first cases started kind of showing up in the Northeast, communities were ravaged by the illness. Um, And by the 1800s, it was a leading cause of death in New England. It's interesting because this was before the United States was established, before we fought the Revolutionary War. Yeah, yeah. So when we kind of say New England, we know that it's, we know we know it's not New England. We're we're just saying that as like the reference point for today. I just sure, yeah. know that we know that it wasn't established until 1776. Um, so, but by the 1800s, obviously, well into the United States uh, being born, it was a leading cause of death in New England. But because travel could be difficult and costly, illnesses like tuberculosis didn't always spread to smaller, more rural communities like the town of Exeter, Rhode Island, Exeter, Rhode Island. In fact, it wasn't until the 1880s that a mysterious illness began showing up in Exeter, causing some of the locals to become sick. And the first person to fall ill was a woman named Mary Brown, which has to be the most common name outside of John Smith. <laughs> like, I feel like Mary Brown, John Smith. Like, it's very, I feel um, like 20% of people were named Mary Brown in the 1800s. I was just going to say, it's very like 13 original colonies kind of name. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a Puritan. Like 13 original names. You yeah, know? exactly. I, I, it was not John Thrasher or Darren Carp. I'll tell you No, definitely right not. Definitely not. Well, Mary was married to a farmer named George and was known as a very strong woman, both physically and mentally. It was incredibly surprising to those who knew her how quickly she grew frail and sickly. Although she lived for about a year with the mysterious illness, she succumbed in December of 1883, Mm. leaving behind her husband and five adult children. I think this was also really surprising um, to a lot of people during COVID, just like some young people, you know, like lost limbs because of it or had long COVID or or died because of it, you know, just really terrible stuff. Well, also to live, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, to live like that for a year, I mean, that's torment in and of itself, you know, especially with no I mean, that's probably the most frustrating thing too, is just not knowing. You know, at least sometimes when people have an answer, there's like a little bit of closure there. Even if it's not the answer you want to hear, the not knowing would just make me go mad. In 1884, Georgia Mary's 20-year-old daughter, Olive, began to show the same symptoms as her mother. Remember, mm. she di- her mother died in 1883. So this was just a few months later, December of 1883. So just a few months later. Mm-hmm. She was constantly tired and sick. She constantly complained of terrible nightmares that she claimed continually drew out her life as she slept at night. So she's just describing kind of being drained yeah. physically, mentally, everything. Each day she became thinner, frailer until she passed away 
in June of 1884. So only like about six or seven months after her mother. It was pretty quick. Yeah. And you after know, all of, yeah. Oh, sorry. I just want to just jump no, in good. with one thought here is, you know, I, I don't want to be insensitive by any means, but I do wonder if in the 1800s like this, um, you know, I, I just wonder if, um, the expectation of living your life and, you know, what was that? Cause maybe people in this point, because, because it wasn't, you know, there was no, what am I trying to say here? There wasn't medicine and you're hospitals. Not li- you're not and, living till 85. Yeah. You're not going to live to 84. You know, and people were probably certainly less. Exactly. Yes. And people were probably like expecting that something like this may catch up to them. So maybe it's not as horrific as you know maybe something that you and i would go through or describe but i don't want to you know speak it's Although still being terrible 20 still feels very young this isn't yeah. caveman days i mean this you know the, i think life expectancy was probably still in the 60s 70s i don't know maybe you can look that up what was the life expectancy in 1880 and see what it says okay keep obviously going. it's probably going to be longer for women than it is for men women do live longer they oh. tend to take care of their bodies more than men interesting so huh? after i just asked I was, if i looked muscular earlier and you had nothing to say so Interesting. I still don't. After Olive's passing, the Brown family mourned, but eventually life moved on. And that is until 1889. It's about five years later when Mary and George's son, Edwin, began to experience the same terrifying symptoms as his mother and sister. Did you have a life expectancy for back then? I'm trying to find a reputable source for us. So keep going and then I'm going to tell you what I find. So Edwin also complained of awful nightmares and told doctors he felt weak as though his blood had been drained from his body as he slept at night. Dear. This is like vampire shit. Right. Um, in a matter of just a few weeks, the young man became as fragile and weak as his mother and sister before him. Um, I did find something. Yeah. This is according to the National Library of Medicine. Okay. That sounds um, like that sounds I mean, right. It's just a rough estimate anyway. What yeah, does it yeah. Say? This is, um, and it's a .gov website, so you can at least rely on that. Um, can you? Life expect <laughs> I know, right? Life expectancy of mature women taken from Hollingsworth and OPCS data for England and Wales, which okay. let's say in the 1800s, 1700s, you know, we they were basically from there. That's where a lot of people were settling from. In the eight in 1891, well, let's go back a little bit from 1780 to 1879. The life expectancy of women at, that were at least 15 years old is 64 years, 64.6 years. That seemed right. I said 60s, low 70s, maybe yeah. because only now is it in the high 70s, 80s. Yeah, that's you know, right. I mean, people dying in their 70s now feels yeah. pretty young. Yeah, I was going to say it has another number here. 1989, the number is 79.2 years. So so basically 100 years later, and we increase the life expectancy by 10 to 15 years. So, yeah, you know, you in 2021, 20, 23, I'm sure the life expectancy will be like people will be living in well into their 90s, and it won't be that crazy probably to think yeah. about living into your 90s. Now we think of it as like a huge accomplishment, right. and it still is, but I think it's going to become more of the norm. Yeah, just like being in your 80s now. Anyway, continue on, John. Yeah, here we go. So nobody in town could figure out why this family seemed to all be cursed with this mystery ailment, including the local doctors. Now, of course, we don't have advanced medicine like we know it today, but there were, of course, doctors. Let's just make sure that's understood. We're not talking about cave people. So Edwin was advised to travel west to a spa in Colorado Springs where perhaps rest and a change of scenery would help him heal. I know at least mentally that certainly helps me. 
Edwin and his wife crossed the country hoping for a remedy, and the trip seemed to work. With thousands of miles between himself and his remaining family, the young man's health seemed to improve. Now, Edwin had evaded whatever curse had taken hold of his family, and he remained in Colorado with his wife for the next three years. In 1982, another one of George and Mary's children, Mercy, was gripped by the same illness as the rest of her family. Now, Well, already I'm feeling like... Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, like, no. okay, Edwin leaves this family and he manages to survive a lot longer than he normally would. He can sprint through through a forest now. Mm-hmm. He's lifting heavy weights. Well, it just seems interesting that like yeah. it's interesting to get it from the town. But once you have it, if it was TB, it would be a little bit interesting to think that if you had it, if you left, you'd still have it. Yeah, right. It's not like you catch COVID in New York and then you move to Oklahoma and you're like, oh, I'm <laughs> you don't have now. it anymore. Right. Right. No, it's a good point. I, I think we're seeing kind of what's going on here. So Mercy was only 10 years old when her mother died. But unlike her mother and brother, 20 year old Mercy was very quickly drained of all of her vitality within a matter of only a few weeks and passed away in January of 1892. And when Edwin received the news of his sister's death, he and his wife returned from Colorado to be with his father. But as you might expect, almost as soon as he returned home, Edwin's condition began to deteriorate and he started experiencing the same awful dreams. So it's mm-hmm. one thing if you have like the fever, the coughing up of the blood, but he's having like crazy dreams, which I think is an indication right. of something different, right? So to me, it seems like a poisoning of some sort. That's what I'm thinking, too. But uh, let's see how it plays out. Yeah, he would often wake up in the middle of the night screaming, she was here, she haunts me, and she wants me to come with her. Never, never something I've ever had to say and in a bedroom, but anyway. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, The rumors of Edwin's affliction began to spread throughout the town and the locals' worst fears began to crystallize. Perhaps the deceased members of the Brown family were stealing the life forces of the living from beyond the grave. Now we're getting into spooky season, everybody. Yeah, now we're here. By the way, this was so commonplace, I feel like, at this time frame. Like, again, I've talked about this in the past with my American literature and history, you know, um, experiences and classes and education. I feel like, you know, if, if something weird was happening like this, it was always paranormal. It was always a witch. We must. We have to hang the witch. It was the uh, the soothsayer down the street. It was never just like, could there be a scientific reason for this? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think they had the formal education. Well, that's right. To understand that. That's too, my you point. Know? Right. Well, so townspeople, of course, started to fear for their own safety. If the family was willing to attack its own, was anybody in town really safe? Locals started begging George to exhume his family members to make sure that they were truly dead and buried. And if not, perhaps getting a better look at the bodies would help them determine which of the women was, quote unquote, less dead than the others. Hmm. And for the sake of his son's life, George agreed to allow the bodies of his wife and daughters to be exhumed and examined. So I'm already thinking in this kind of story that George is guilty of poisoning his family. Something is going on. Because he seems to be the only on, you know, just automatically that's kind of where my mind goes, that like he's kind of the only one not getting sick. Um, but for him to allow the bodies to be exhumed, either he's feeling like, how could they possibly test this? You know what I mean? And I yeah. just want to appease this or he doesn't have anything to do with it at all. But yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. But yeah, on an afternoon in March, a group of men from Exeter began the arduous task of digging up Mary, Olive and Mercy Brown. 
Mary and Olive had been dead for years and their bodies showed normal signs of decomposition. Kind of nothing to see here, just yeah. normal deterioration. But when the group unearthed Mercy's remains, they were shocked by what they found when they lifted the coffin lid. Mercy's body seemed impeccably preserved for someone who had been dead for two months mm. and seemed as fresh as the day as she was lowered into the ground. Ew, that's and so I don't creepy. think they had any of the same embalming stuff. Maybe they did because it kind of is an ancient tactic. I don't know. It's but hard like, to imagine. I'm sure it's probably way more technical nowadays, but I'm, I would imagine it's the same. But if process. the other ones were right, you know, right. decomposed, it does seem weird even after two months, you know? So the group also noticed some odd changes as well. Mercy's hair and nails appeared longer than when she died, which oh ought to, which would mean that they're growing, that right. something is alive. But but I heard that that yeah. happens after you die, that your nails and hair continue to grow. Is that a myth? I'm going to look that up too. Well, I think what's your hair, I don't want to speak. I feel like your hair is dead. It's just at the root that it's alive. So like once oh, it comes okay. out, I don't know, actually. I could be I'm, completely wrong. I've always that. heard that. And I'm like, did I just hear that in high school one day? I've heard that too, true? but I don't think it grows in perpetuity. I mean, obviously, like I think it grows, but I think only to a certain extent. Okay. I'm looking, Are you it, looking up. it up. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what I find from a very scholarly source here in just a second. So here's even <laughs> creepier. Furthermore, when they poked her body with their shovel, she bled fresh blood. And that is obviously <sighs> not something that we <sighs> expect. The men were terrified. It was clear their worst fears were indeed true. Mercy Brown was a vampire who returned at night to suck the life from her brother. It's also what? possible that Mercy's body was so well preserved because she was buried in January and exhumed in March, which are obviously winter months. Okay, that so the cold whale have slowed her decomposition to the point that she still appeared kind of fresh. You know, you can be buried. You know, they often talk about uh, Everest, for example. They'll find a body that was missing for two hundred years, almost freshly preserved in the snow. Just because everything's because frozen. Up. Yeah, right. Wait, Everyone can I add in- one thing here? Just so I want yeah. to mention it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. The thing that's so weird to me, though, is like, I guess they don't embalm them the way that we think that they do now, because if they were able to see fresh blood, exactly. I, that's freaking me out. OK, keep going. <laughs> well, everyone in town that be- the knew the best way to combat a vampire was to cut out its heart and burn it. How people knew this, I it's unclear because vampires right. aren't real. So I don't really know what how this kind of tall tale got um, yeah, yeah. passed around. But the men did this immediately. Burning Mercy's heart then and there in the cemetery on a rock near her grave. The group also removed her other vital organs just for good measure and brought them to the town doctor along with the ashes from her incinerated heart. The doctor burned Mary's liver and mixed the ashes from both organs into Edwin Brown's medicine as a tonic to ward off any further attempts by Mary to drain her brother's vitality. So witchy, witchy, witchy. I was just going to say, what in the crucible? Is yeah. going on here. Okay, I have an update from this is according to the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. It's a it's a whole article. In fact, I'll link it in our show notes if you want to read about it. It says, Do a person's hair and fingernails continue to grow after death? The answer is hair and fingernails may appear longer after death, but not because they are still growing. Instead, a person's fingernails and hair may appear longer Speaking. because the skin around them has retracted. According right. to Dermatology Clinic at UAMS, which is the source here, after death, dehydration causes the skin and other soft tissues to shrink. This occurs while the hair and nails remain the same length. This change in the body creates the optical illusion of growth that people observe. And to learn more about personalized care provided by our doctors using state-of-the-art equipment and technology, please visit our medical services center. Well, if, this if sounds about, like 
if you think about like a grape versus a raisin, if you put yeah. like hair, you poke hair into a grape and then it becomes a raisin, obviously it's going to be much smaller. The grape Wait, is say that again? Sh- you put a hair Okay, in so a grape? like like say your head is a grape, right? Yeah. You okay, put which it is. Yeah. Coming out of it. Right, of course yeah. it is. The grape size of like, let's say a quarter, but the raisin is the size of a dime. So when you when you dehydrate the grape, to become a raisin, right. that hair is going to look so much bushier outside of a raisin oh, sure, than sure, in sure. a grape is what they're I saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. We've we've all learned something. And I love Darren's grape uh, analogy as well. So there you go. Uh, but like I said, I'll, I'll link this in the show notes. It looks like the, the UAMS health website also has medical myths sec- section, which includes things like does pulling one gray hair cause more to grow in its place? Can your yeah. toothbrush make you sick? All kinds of good stuff. So obviously this go. doesn't explain the fresh blood that was coming from her, but no, it does not explain more of the nails and the hair. Yeah. And we're getting into some weird witchy stuff now. So there you go. Well, unfortunately, neither the medicine nor the magic ward saved Edwin, who passed away two months later in May of 1892. Edwin was not the last of his family to die of this mysterious ailment. In August of 1895, a few years later, Mercy, the vampire, allegedly sucked the life from her two younger sisters, Annie in August and Jenny in October. Then in 1899, Myra Brown fell ill and died of the same unknown malady as the rest of her family. This family is just truly looking very cursed at this point. I'd move. Yeah, really, exactly. If I was the father, I'd be like, oh, my son was good when he left. I'm moving. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. If you have the resources to do it, I guess that's the way to do it. Even if you don't. I mean, just get out of there. Get the fuck out of there. I mean. That's fair. Yeah. Well, only one of the Brown children survived the family curse. That was Hattie Mae Brown. She, uh, She got married, gave birth to four children, divorced her husband, and remarried. Hattie lived a full life until she passed away at the age of 79 in 1954. So she made it all the way into the uh, 1900s there. As far as we know, her death was natural and free of vampire involvement. The legend of the vampire Mercy Brown remained prolific even after the Brown family themselves were gone. Because of them and other families like them who all died under very similar circumstances, Rhode Island was known for a time as a, quote, vampire hotbed. <laughs> I know some people from, from Rhode oh, Island. Ow. Yeah, I'm going to yes. have to see if they've ever heard of this. In fact, when Dracula's author, Bram Stoker, passed away, reports and newspaper clippings about Mercy Brown were found in his research files. So he... Interesting. Yeah, Bram Stoker was apparently, uh, you know, inspired by by this horrific case. It is just interesting how like tales or people are just like, yeah, totally a vampire. Like the logical conclusion really? here is that obviously the dead sister was just sucking the life out of <laughs> right. somebody. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. You just got a little blurry in your camera. I don't know why. I did. Oh, let yeah. me see. Hello, everyone. Yeah, Hello. I don't know. That's weird. Remember when you did the thumbs up thing? Anyway. Oh, yeah. Let's... Uh, no, because it's not a clean oh. background. Oh, oh, my God. It worked. Now I'm really what dark. What is that? Guys, what is that? I don't have that. Whenever I put my thumbs up, for those what who can't that? see, I don't know, but it's making my shirt look cool. It's a vampire. I don't. It's know. a vampire it's zoom, situation. It's a vampire zoompire. A zoom. There's a zoom feature for those who don't see it. If you're not a sussy radish, if you are a sussy radish, go to Patreon and watch. When you put Doesn't your thumbs up, when I put my thumbs up in my camera, it does fireworks, and right now it does it, and it does fireworks all over my shirt, and it just looks really yeah. cool. It's so weird. So, oh my God. Okay. Can we get back, back to, to the vampires? show? Yeah, back to vampire. 
Vampires. Well, in the early 1890s, shortly after Edwin's death, a general understanding of germ theory began to disseminate oh. the world. And people began to have a better idea of what diseases like TB were, how they were spread, and how to protect themselves from disease. In 1921, a TB vaccine was developed by a French scientist and is still administered to roughly 100 million children every year, especially in places where the disease is still highly prevalent and has saved countless lives. Another vaccine that has saved countless lives and prevented even more cases of soul-sucking illness is the COVID vaccine. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, just last month, the CDC announced that another round of booster vaccines is available to safeguard against the most recent COVID variant and prevent people from becoming seriously ill this winter. I already That's got my true. COVID booster and my Did you? Shot. I keep yeah. thinking about it. I heard it's really hard to get right now for some insurance-related I booked mine reason. so early. As soon as I got yeah. approved, I booked mine early at there you uh, go. the CVS. So before the TB and COVID vaccines, when one person in a household became infected the entire yeah. family was almost certainly doomed to catch the same illness just like the brown family but thanks to the magic of science when one person we share space with becomes a gross life-draining vampire <laughs> the rest of us can stay healthy without needing to eat a single one of their incinerated vital organs isn't that nice this has been a spooky halloween <laughs> psa but i still don't really Megan's understand funny. how they would have had how she would have had fresh blood that's freaking me out either a Either A, they were lying about it. B, it was something yeah. different. Which or could be C, the case. Maybe it's something about like being in the cold. It could you be. You know, like underground and permafrost in New England. You never know. Not that there's actual permafrost there, just to be clear. But yeah, I think it definitely has to be, you know, essentially. I don't think it was a vampire. I can safely I say. I don't. Well, I, I, I don't know, you know. Vampires may still doubt. exist. Beyond a reasonable yeah. doubt, it's hard to say. But um, yeah, it's that 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 line in particular, like, just really freaked me out. But anyway, let us know what you guys thought. Do you think a vampire did this? Do you think it was tuberculosis? Hit us up at Jay Thrasher and Carpe Darren. Hit us up in our Facebook group, and of course, message us on Patreon because we will message you right back. Um, Darren, let's get into some listener shout outs as we, um, wrap let's up this it. week's episode in our Facebook group. This was really interesting. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. A longtime listener named Don said, quote, anyone else have swag from the prior podcast? I have some other stuff too, but just happened to have this in my office. And he shared a picture, Darren, of martinis and murder chapstick. Mm. And I wrote him back. I messaged him. I'm going to have to go back to my Facebook here and see what he says. But I was like, where did you even get this? Where was this sold? Like, how did I you have it this? Was, I want to say it was part of CrimeCon. Well, you're you're almost right. Do you remember what we called our hangover kits were actually our lunch boxes with our faces that's right. on we them? Advil. That's right. That's I have right. There box. was Advil. Yeah, I have a couple yeah. of those. So uh, Don was one of the very few people. And I messaged him back and I was like, by the way, there are literally only a handful of people that even have one of these. So I hope you're enjoying your chapstick, your martinis yeah, and murder chapstick. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, Laura on Facebook uh, recently visited New York City for the first time, but wanted to share some news saying, I've been <laughs> wanting to report to you about my Uber star rating ever oh, since you mentioned it on the show. I am shocked. And this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use emphasis my own here, Go John, ahead. to yeah. see that I have a perfect <laughs> 5.0 rating. It is now my okay. mission to keep that rating for as long as I can. So- what I'm hearing here, Laura, is that John is the only terrible passenger in all of Uber's history. Got it. I, I don't Thank think you. so. Number one. Number two. Confirmed. I'm sure Confirmed. Laura. Listen, I'm sure Laura. Beyond if, a reasonable doubt. If I were to come to New York for a weekend, I could get all fives across the board as well. What is this? The Olympics? Sure, what is this? The Uber sure, Olympics? 
I'm impressed with Laura. I mean, I like that she dragged me publicly, though. Thank you, Laura, for that. If nothing well, to else. be honest, I added the John. Yeah, that's um, true. You were doing so that. Not I her. kind of dragged you publicly, not <laughs> Laura. So it is on me. But I'd like to think yeah. that Laura and I are thinking the same thing. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you maybe are Laura, are. as far as we know. How do we know? Maybe we are. Were How you two know? ever in the same room together? We'll never know. Maybe I'm her vampire. Well, that's right. That's right. Well, thanks to those of you who have joined us on Patreon. By the way, your support goes such a long way. There is a brand new update video, including none other than Megan for everybody on Patreon. Megan joined us for a quick little five minute video. So go and check that out. Uh, The cool thing about Patreon is if you sign up now, you unlock tons of content. I mean, we've been doing this now for years, you guys. Um, and certain tiers, you can unlock even more stuff. So go and check it out. It would really mean a lot to us. And it really, uh, we really appreciate your support. You can go to patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed, or just click the show notes and join that way. All right, Darren, it was a really wait to show you all the fun stuff that we have with Megan. It's coming. Um, It's really coming to testament to John. It's so fun. And we can't wait for you guys to see it. Obviously, we'll be back with another case next week. Uh, Please watch the Murder Murders and let us know what you think. If you haven't already listened to our NMR, but uh, we're just so soaked. It's spooky season, baby. Spooky season has arrived in full force. All right, you guys make sure to check your freshies. Check your freshies and check your brake pads without pants because you don't need a penis. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs)